Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the marketing minds at doyouconvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today at an appropriate social distance, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peake. <laughs> We're here, episode 93. <laughs> you know, we are always socially distant <laughs> in our quick yes. distances from each other at Do You Convert. So this is yeah, yeah, yeah. many, many miles our- away from each other. <laughs> I feel like we are the least affected company from our normal everyday work life in yeah. the entire industry. I agree. I yeah, I'm trying to think <laughs> what has changed. Like home builders, uh, ad agencies, what you, you name it. I just I don't think anyone else is quite the same in that uh, we're 100 percent remote and always have been. Yeah, yeah. Like I haven't felt the desire to like share like us on a go to meeting or just Slack video because that's kind of just what it has been <laughs> always. <That's just laughs> what we've done. Yeah, we've we done. we were joking that Mike Lyon is actually the most at risk because he works since he moved about a year ago. I think now he, there's a office building right down the street that he got some space in. So he's the only one who interacts with other people mm-hmm. on a regular basis, right? He, so other other than that, we're all at our house. Yeah, yeah, not bad. All right, well let's let's jump into story time. And oh, you know what? First, uh, some housekeeping. We're probably going to have episodes and then 0.5 episodes for the foreseeable future. There's just no way that we can do news or talk about news and then push it out even three or four days after we record it. So more than likely, unless Thais vetoes me, we will split these up into story time and news and then the actual 360 interactions. So you'll get twice as many episodes for a while, but Hopefully, we're not going to make you listen to two hours of us. They'll probably each be be shorter. (laughs) We'll do our best. Make that happen. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) All right. So, for story time this week, let's see if there's something that we can talk around what's going on, but does not need to be related to real estate or housing in any way, shape, or form. Okay. Anything? Ooh, ooh, I got one. Yeah. Okay. First, I went to my cousin's wedding this past weekend. Did you fly? No, we drove. Okay. We drove in the, we're already planned to drive. So we drove all the way over to New Orleans. We went to her wedding. We had instructions to not hug anyone and stand six feet away and either do like elbow bump or air hug or curtsy or do something silly. Wow. Was it an outdoor wedding? It was. It was at a farm. So they already had built in washing stations. And so everybody was washing their hands. And then uh, they also had hand sanitizer before you went to the food line and after you went to the food line. Good. Since you just said hand sanitizer, remind me of um, (laughs) my kids, almost all of them used to say the word hanitizer. They would say, do you have any hanitizer when they were little? I love it. (laughs) Sorry. How was was attendance? Was it? It was supposed to be. A very large wedding. I think there were like 400 people invited. Oh, wow. Yeah. But right before the event, the mayor said that there were not going to be any gatherings of more than 250 people. And I think about 100 came. So okay, there was plenty of space for everybody. It was outside and, you know, everybody could keep their distance and still participate in a wonderful event. Nice. Good. It was fun. Good. Yeah. I wonder if someone 
were to test positive that went to the wedding, they would then have to contact or whoever would contact the people that were in proximity of that person. That's a big list potentially. Yeah. I guess that's why they're like, don't go in big groups. Because yeah, that's why. No, just exactly. the logistics of that is like, <laughs> you're rebels. Oh gosh, <laughs> you're rebels. But good proper distance on my side. Oh man, nothing specific other than I, I haven't realized how close you are to people just in day-to-day interactions. Like we were like, okay, they're going to shut down the restaurant soon. I'm down here in Florida. Today's the, the 19th. If I can say that we're st- like food's still open. It's just carry out, but you can still go to restaurants too. That's really weird. Oh, I'm you like, can? I think, yeah. Other you, you can walk oh. inside the infected air bubble that is the restaurant, but you just <laughs> can't stay there long. Can't stay there long. So we, we picked up sushi the other night and <sighs> usually there's the counter and you would just kind of like lean on it and be like waiting for them to like bring your to-go order, which usually we usually do to-go. Anyways, just because we have the kids at home, like going out with three little ones is not fun. And I'm like, oh, like that's weird. I'm going to like take two steps back and like this is an appropriate distance. These six feet, you realize is... Like not what we normally do at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at all. And then just shaking hands for like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. And and we had, this is funny related to, they started the HOA management company for our neighborhood switched last month. The previous company did nothing like at all, which is fine. It's still builder managed. I don't know what the correct term is. Like the homeowners don't manage it yet with the board or something. Yeah, you guys aren't paying your full cost, so you don't have full control to discern to, yeah. to decide everything. Correct. Yeah, still correct. So it's still like we don't really know much detail. So, but there's someone out that's like taking pictures of everyone's you know issues that they're doing. And so, mm-hmm. a lady was out yesterday. My wife's like, "Who's this person outside?" So she went and said, "Hey, can I help you?" And it's like, "Oh, hi, I'm with blah blah blah." And she's like, "Oh," and like almost everyone on the street has gotten a letter about something. Like they're getting pretty strict, which is good. But some things are like really, but that's it's in the rules, so that's what we signed up for. Not complaining yeah. about that. But then the lady went to go shake Lindsay's hand. And she's like, oh, I'm not going to shake your hand. Lindsay said that. <laughs> and Lindsay felt like <laughs> she was being so offensive because they, they didn't have a bad interaction. But like it was like, yeah, we're not going to do that because we can't do that for like two weeks because we're, we're storing my in-laws stuff in our garage. So there's the recycling big giant cans on the side of the house versus <laughs> in the garage. It's like we're not, doesn't have room in there. And she's like, oh. And afterwards, Lindsay's like, I probably made her so mad at us. but. Did she really sometimes shake her hand like it's so we're not supposed to do that now? Like what in the world? Yeah. Just yeah. the norms are, are are different. Although later I'm like, maybe we should keep these the norm if that's how like just the regular flu is is spread easily, being closer to people and just shaking hands and whatnot. Like might be good to keep those those things around. Yeah, I would say the most important thing is being socially aware, even if you're one of those people who is not concerned and kind of like, I'm gonna live my life, leave me alone, to, yeah. to not yeah. Respond to what probably the majority of people are thinking and feeling mm-hmm. yeah. is, is a little bit out of touch. And we've been talking a lot about out of touch. <laughs> In fact, oh, yeah. I, I should pull this up, but I, I think one of my, I, I've been using Twitter more just because I've got, I don't have more time actually. Uh, I don't know where time is gone, but <laughs> when I do have a moment, I hop on Twitter. I tweeted that I was going to start a class to teach marketers what not to do in these kind of situations and mm-hmm. how to not be tone deaf. And I was going to charge $1 million and there'd only be two words in the entire course, which would be stop it. Like just, <laughs> just stop it. Kind of along those same lines, since you're giving me good positive feedback, Becca, I like, I like it when you laugh at my, my jokes. Is uh, Someone else had tweeted that they opened up their freezer to get a Tostina's pizza roll and out of it dropped a piece of paper that said, we know you're concerned about our COVID-19 policies. Just again, it's like 
we don't need to know this stuff anymore. It was only that first wave where this was novel in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. And now we just need to be adjusting our message. So yeah. being tone deaf is definitely a theme of the times. Uh, I feel like we've talked about that enough between all the different things we've been saying, but yeah, gosh, just don't be tone deaf and don't be socially tone deaf either. My story is really, you know, there's lots of public private partnerships happening right now to try to make things better. I saw that Carnival is, is offered up their cruise ships for, for non-virus patients to uh, get medical attention on so that they keep the hospital space for those who need Interesting. Okay. And that, which is awesome. So there's lots yeah. of good stuff, but I can't believe that Apple hasn't stepped in yet to make our lives better because no. I feel like we all need an elbow bump emoji. So yes. I keep having to type out, you know, parentheses, elbow bump emoji. And I just, I need to be able to, to select it and have it drop in there. So come on, Apple, you, you we finally gave Bill Duderstadt the waffle emoji. I know. <laughs> we, need, we need the elbow bump emoji because it's getting awkward out there. Like I, I, I'm a big fan of the fist bump and the high five and it just doesn't seem appropriate. Nope. So no, no, we, we need your help. Yeah. Okay. Let's shift over to the news. And <laughs> again, in my own head, I understand the weirdness. If you just listen to episode 92.5 and you're like, Kevin just said the world's ending or some version thereof. How is this possible? Well, it's the afternoon now. I've had more coffee. We did a good, great webinar <laughs> for a couple hundred people <laughs> with Home Street Bank uh, on presale, and you know it's going to continue. I just I want to. I'm going to say this again, just to overemphasize: the world is not ending. But yeah. marketers, you better stop sticking your head in the sand. Mm-hmm. And there's zero reason. And I haven't had a chance to talk about this with you guys, so I'm just going to go back to my. My favorite thing that's kind of hit me as a, as what I think is something important that we should have learned from the last downturn is in 2008, Andrew, it was common to spend 10 to 12 to $15,000 a weekend for a full page, full color ad in the paper. Wow. Yeah. So first lesson there is, holy crap, builders used to spend <laughs> more than they usually spend now on all their digital efforts on one piece of paper on yes. one weekend. That's the first holy crap thing. Mm-hmm. But the second thing, Andrew, was that as soon as things were getting worse, their first reaction was not to think, hmm, we should start to consider digital because it seems like digital marketing is the better trend here. Uh, instead, they said, run two full page, full color ads, <laughs> double the budget, <laughs> That's spend, crazy. spend $20,000, $25,000 a weekend on this ad Ooh. until they finally realized this is not working. And the leaders at that time in making the shift were the ones going to digital getting online salespeople and that program set up partly out of necessity. It was pushing us that way. And I just feel like when people are saying things like, well, just keep on keeping on because look, leads and sales and appointments are, are still holding up right now. We don't need to make an adjustment. It's like, man, virtual sales and, and more on-demand services online, more content, like that's where it's all going anyway. And we're clinging to even, I mean, yeah. I, I love Facebook. Yeah. I love Instagram. I love Google. Mm-hmm. I love all that stuff. But in a time of limited resources, shift it. Mm-hmm. I mean, start, start working on it before it's a true panic situation and you're behind the eight ball. That makes sense. Exactly. Where, where do you, you kind of led down that path of, of where should they shift it to? Do you think it'd be more like enter now as far as just having, it'd be interesting to see what the data is on that now versus like a week ago. Yeah, like exactly. It, a week ago, you might have looked at the cost of a tool like Envision, which is a virtual design studio type of experience oh, that you could yeah. do from your home. Mm-hmm. You might have looked at that and thought, that's really expensive. But now you could pull back on 
you know, one fourth of your digital ad budget and pay for that system's monthly cost. Yeah. yeah. Especially and, if your design studio is closed right now, like there's no other well, choice yeah. for someone to, to do that. And I, I mean, I really love the concept of enter now and we're big fans of companies like them pushing us all forward. But at the same time, enter now can't work in the Bay area for the next mm-hmm. however many weeks. Like yeah. you're not allowed to do that. You've got to stay in your home. You know, builders just sent out an email with basically like an hour notice from the government saying, we're done until April 17th. Like you, you can't come here. An in-person appointment or touring on your own is not an option. And I'd imagine this is definitely speculative, but like I'd imagine places are going to head towards that direction versus the opposite. Yeah, as, I think yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike, Mike Lyons said it correctly in the virtual town hall that Meredith Oliver put on. And thank you again, by the way, Meredith, I wasn't able to attend. I had another um, call already scheduled, but, but Mike hopped in there and I did get a chance to watch some of the replay. And, you know, his point is, is pretty right on. As goes California, eventually usually goes the rest of the state states. Mm. Now, yeah. hopefully not in this case that we've done enough to, to limit the effects, the health effects. But part of what's causing the health effects is also creating economic effects. So even if you don't have issues of people overwhelming the health system, you still may have the issue of being on lockdown for a period of time. Yep. Now, lockdown is maybe an extreme term, but shut down. I don't know. Why you've got to make baby steps and you've got to react fast and just put up what you put up. But eventually you've got to start thinking longer term. Yeah. And I think one of the things I was just talking about with Anthony on, on his webinar was once the stuff is out there, do you think we're ever going to be able to take it back? Like, I I don't think so. I I think once Mm -hmm. you put out there that you can do virtual appointments, you think someone's going to be okay with you suddenly being like, nah, you know what? You got to get in your car and drive 45 minutes to come see us. I mean, we, we did that because of the, you know, you know, you know what happened back then, but we can't do that all the time now. Uh, no, Keep it in. I don't know that consumer behavior is going to change entirely, but their expectations, I mean, we are proving it in a time of quote unquote crisis. And maybe I shouldn't use air quotes. So it is a, in many ways a crisis, but we're proving we can do better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not gonna be able to take that away. I don't think. I don't think so either. Mm-mm. Okay. So shifting over to the news, quick update on some website data from our aggregated uh, pool of information. And also we should link to the BDX podcast that they did on March 17th. And I didn't get a chance to listen to it until this morning because honestly, I didn't know they, they did a podcast. Um, and that's not, it's not a jab at you guys. I'm just thankful that someone shared it. I'll definitely be tuning in. I'm not sure the frequency of, of what they're doing, but Tim Costello did a great job and was really the final piece of confidence that I needed to come out more strongly for my thoughts on episode 92.5. Sounds like a radio station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but our last episode that pushed because he basically said in, in not so many words, we have access to a lot of data and I'm telling you the change is coming. And he was echoing my thoughts, which is the numbers I'm about to tell you should make you feel good about yesterday and yesterday only. They should not make you feel comfortable and confident about tomorrow, next week or next month. Yes, The shift is still happening. And so, but here, here is the data from yesterday. Basically, Friday the 13th through uh, March the 18th, compared to March 6th, the previous Friday, through March 11th. Here's the numbers. We're basically back to 2019 website traffic levels, which is, again, that's nothing to be freaked out about. Some people are talking about 
year-over-year increases. And I understand where that might be happening, especially if a builder wasn't doing things the best way and and now they're working with a company that can teach them the right way to do it. You're going to see massive increases. I mean, it's not you guys confirm for me here. Typically, when we start with a builder for the first year, it's very common for the entire first year to have increases of anywhere from 40% to 300% in web traffic volume. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost comical, not comical, but it's almost not <laughs> useful looking at the old data anymore. Like it's yes. like, here's when we started and here's before. We just know that it's always going to be better than the year right. before. But then the second year is really when it's like, okay, now we could actually use real comparisons looking at the new, yeah. the yeah. new normal. So I just think it's important for year. people to know that our data set only is comprised of two people this year who are new. And and everyone else, and both of those folks are smaller sized uh, home building companies. So the data is much more reliable from what I'm able to see. But traffic is basically back to 2019 levels, which again isn't isn't a bad thing. Organically, traffic is down anywhere from 10 on the low end to 25 on the high end. Organic traffic and direct traffic both taking a huge hit. Other traffic sources more or less holding steady and basically flat to minus 10%. So not nothing crazy. Cause remember we're, I'm comparing week over week and we're coming off of the best from a marketer's perspective, the best housing market that we've seen from a, from a marketer's perspective in terms yeah. of traffic activity leads in January and February. So these aren't crazy bad numbers. Lead count is up for the most part, especially on higher end products. Even our high end condo and infill townhome builders are seeing more leads this past weekend through Wednesday than the previous weekend. Walk-in traffic, also, again, a lot of builders, a whole lot of builders reporting greater walk-in traffic counts this past weekend than the previous weekend. I hope for the builders that continues, but I hope for humanity that slows down. Because yeah. we, don't, we don't need a whole bunch of people walking in into the same environment over and over again. Nah. But you know, that, that's just where it is. And I'm not actually sure about this next point, what's causing it, but appointments from online leads are down. Here's why I say I'm not sure. They're down anywhere from... 15 to 20 to up to 40%, depending on the builder, the area, the type of product they, they offer. Now, what I don't know is, was part of that cause because they got stuck in this, what do I do with the, with the leads? Like, I, I, I can't send them. What do I do? Were they not prepared yeah. to go virtual at the drop of a hat? True. I mean, we've scrambled to get as many resources out there as possible. But is that the reason? Maybe some builders don't consider that virtual appointment to be a true appointment. And so when they're reporting the information, maybe the virtual stuff's happening, but in terms of how the sales leadership is reporting that, or we're seeing it in the CRM, maybe they're not marking that as an appointment in the same way. I don't know. But it appears that the ability to take people to that next step is getting harder. I wonder if there could be an influence of the, the walk-in traffic of people that have this, the fear of, I guess it would be like fear of missing out, but fear of like, hey, next week we might not be able to go places. I'm just going to go right now. Um, and not try yeah. to call and yeah. make an appointment. Kind of like the toilet paper deal. Like, hey, we're getting toilet paper because I see it now and they're letting me buy some ridiculous amount because I need that much for some weird reason <laughs> or even just food. Like uh-huh. in general, they're thinking next week will be different or next tomorrow will be different. Yeah. Um, yep. Could be. Could be. Since you mentioned the toilet paper too, I just used that for the first time ever. I used toilet paper purchasing as an analogy to the pre-sale without fail process, right? Like... That's beautiful. <laughs> Why do people buy more toilet paper? Because they see other people buying toilet paper yes. and combined with the fact that it makes them feel secure to know that something they use every day, they can buy in mass quantities for a relatively cheap <laughs> amount of money. Pre-sale will never but, be the same. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but imagine if the news, and this is this is what happened when we first started in Pittsburgh. It was the middle of the downturn, and we could send out press releases saying we just sold 14 houses in one day. And then it was on the news. It was in the newspaper. It was on the radio. That word got around that Heartland Homes, when they open up a new community, you better, like they sell. So better go. Yeah. Better go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, that's the latest. But again, all that being said, don't feel comfortable with that information. I really, we've talked about how so far we have not seen this sharp drop off in traffic and leads and even sales, that doesn't mean it couldn't be coming. And again, it's not a reason to be scared. It's just a reason to prepare and have a plan. Yeah. All right. Pro Builder, who Mike and I both write articles for several times a year, has started doing an industry survey, which I find absolutely fascinating. Yeah. And part of it, they're also doing survey slash like a, a page where they constantly are keeping everything updated that's changing. So thank you, ProBuilder, because you're actually also reminding me of another important news item, which is that iBuyers, for the most part, are no longer buying. Ooh. Yeah, I saw that. That's, yep. And yeah, what's really interesting. interesting is why they're not buying. So Redfin says, hey, we're not buying because we got no idea what's going on here in terms of what's the real value right now? What's the, you know, what are things going to look like? They're basically saying, you know, due to the housing market's uncertain direction, we are pausing new purchases. Open Door says, you know what? We're just going to stop because we're not sure it's healthy to have employees interact. But I think that's just cover. I think, <laughs> I I think they're so. yeah. the yeah. exact same reason. Yeah. And I have not seen any statement about what Zillow is or isn't doing. I'm kind of surprised these companies even made a public statement because in theory, part of the benefits of being an iBuyer is you get the lead no matter what. So even if you don't make them an offer, I would think Zillow is going to keep their mouth shut because they can still get leads that they can hand over to realtors and builders. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why Redfin and Opendoor felt the need to say, don't even bother, basically, where everything's on hold. But they did. And I think that's insightful as to what they see coming that some home builders don't yet see coming. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... The other things that are interesting in this survey, and I shared this on Facebook as well, but this question in particular, which they just, they released the survey results yesterday, which were taken from answers then given on Tuesday, probably Tuesday to Wednesday morning, specific to housing, construction, remodeling, which of the following actions have you taken? And they give multiple lists of, of options, including, you know, no longer selling, no longer uh, building, no longer selling new construction a whole bunch of different options. But what strikes me as really interesting is so far, basically 65% said, we haven't changed a darn thing. Business as usual, operation normal going on right now. And again, I just, I I keep getting this image of people not really understanding what's what's happening. Yeah. Or or, or could be happening. The other one that I think is really interesting is the question, to what degree do you believe your firm's overall business will be negatively impacted by the virus outbreak. And <laughs> 22 plus, well, I guess it's really 27% said no impact or minor impact. Mm, Nearly one wow. third of builders say, nothing to see here, folks. We're all good. 55% said a moderate impact, which I'm not sure what that really means, but... I don't know either. It feels safe. You know, yeah, it, feel, <laughs> it feels safe. Like it's, it's going to be painful, but no big deal. We'll get through it. And 16.6% said a severe impact. So again, I just think it's it's interesting that basically 
what is that? 83% or so mm-hmm. say, yeah. we'll, we'll be through this. It's no, no big deal. We, we just had this amazing market at the beginning. And, and that's true. A lot of builders double, triple their sales quotas through mm-hmm. the beginning of the year. So I understand where they're coming from, which brings us to this article from Modular Home Builder or ModularHomeCoach.com that was posted on Wednesday, March 18th, where it said, modular housing industry could face severe problems. And he goes on to say, this is not chicken little running around saying the sky is falling, but this could have major consequences for the entire housing industry. And what he means is, you know, Ford, GM, and Chrysler, I'm not sure who the big three are, because, I mean... Yeah, I think it's right. Yeah, Fiat, yeah. Chrysler, whenever their acquisition yeah. thing. But they're, they're shutting down their factories due to health concerns, which is, which is good. Uh, it's also due, by the way, to the fact that no one's buying cars right now. And right. I gave those stats on the last, last episode. But I think yesterday, demand was down by like 35% in a single day Wow! for, for wow. New, new cars. So they also don't need to make them because no one's buying them. But what they talk about in this article is that it's different in housing. The amount of, of time and lag time it will take to get the supplies, the labor back in, in line and, you know, if truckers just refuse to haul non-essential materials to factories, even if they stay open, they're not going to have everything they need to continue. It's a little bit about like with the testing kits, you're, you hear in stories now about, well, we've got the ability to make tests, but we run out of swabs. We don't have any more of just kind of random, like there's, there's yeah. not a meat shortage, but we don't have enough plastic things to wrap the meat up in. You know, it's, it's this weird imbalance of what's going on in the supply chain. There is a lot of risk in it. Or, yeah, or, yeah, more than most people realize. And, yeah. and I talked to a builder that we partnered with two days ago and we were talking about this and he's like, well, you know, I, d- I did just talk to my tile guy and they're going to make sure I get what I need through early March. But they did also comment that no one else has asked them about this yet. No one else has said like, can we get supplies stockpiled for us? And I'm guaranteeing all you small guys listening, not small people, but small home builders listening. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, Becca. Make me feel better. So all the smaller builders <laughs> listening, the big guys have already thought about this because they've got two to four to 10 people whose full-time job is making sure that yeah. this runs smoothly. Uh, you, you need to make sure because again, closings will be delayed. Construction will be slower, even if it's able to continue. It's important to take that into account. All right. We got to have one thing that has nothing to do with the current state of, okay. of what's going on. So our good friends at agorapulse.com in their social media lab have what I think Andrew would consider a fun one. Yeah. And it's our fun Instagram one. ads <laughs> or Facebook ads more cost effective? Are Instagram ads or Facebook ads more cost effective? And I love this because again, we, any we get oh, this question. I was gonna say we get I've had this mm-hmm. question like three or four times this month. Yeah. For whatever reason. But it's it's phrased a little bit different, like, hey, are we reaching different people on Facebook or Instagram? A little bit different question, but kind of this in the end, like it, that is interesting to ask, but it's comes back to like, if the results are terrible, are you really concerned about reaching a different person? So this, of course, I think comes first as far as what actually ends up happening. Yeah. And so they set the table and they say, WebFX says that Instagram's cost per click is three times higher than Facebook. So the average advertising cost, this is also interesting across all industries, across everything, I imagine. Is ninety seven cents a click? Woo, um, Andrew, you did this yeah. calculation at the end of last year, but I think it was in the twenty something. Is, is our average? Mm-hmm. Yep, high twenties. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Whereas mm-hmm. Instagram's average, 
across all industries, $3.56 a click. Ooh, that's crazy. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> they have LinkedIn Ooh. on here, which which we've we've played around with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. It's always so and that sounds I mean, their LinkedIn number is $5.61. And while we don't see that, we do see it as higher, more expensive. And delivery on LinkedIn still seems to be whacked out. Microsoft yeah. needs to get on that and fix it. They do. Soon. And that's that's for builders. So it's builder ads, not like do you convert running ads for do you convert, but just correct. Yeah. Builder builders ads. running ads for realtors most of the time. Yep. 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 So yep. it's crazy. So they do their own test. And drum roll, please. The the results are, yep, it's more expensive. <laughs> Facebook ads resulted in a 42.8% lower cost per click than Instagram ads. So they're almost half the cost per click. So before we get into to more interesting things to follow in this post, Andrew and Becca, when we talk about Facebook versus Instagram, it really is more of a, do you want a trackable result or do you want to build the brand? and communicate a message, right? That, those are kind of yeah. the things that builders have to decide when they're trying to figure out where they want their ad money to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Facebook, so Facebook would recommend, to get this result, to, to be able to, you have to create two different ad sets on Facebook. Yeah. So you have to force Facebook to deliver to only Instagram or deliver only to Facebook, like the yeah. different news feeds. Yeah. If you do automatic placements or if you click Yes, I want Facebook and yes, I want Instagram in the same ad set. Facebook will just optimize what is going to result in the best result if you're using a conversion campaign. So which is Facebook. Which is, which is yeah. Facebook, but it's also interesting. And they they put out some white papers or like little one sheeters on it. Their algorithm goes after the person or the user before placement. Mm-hmm. If that mm-hmm. so that's how they're like, what? And so I think we're yeah. this yeah. article, of course, is comparing the two. It's it's I think it's really cool. It's a fun one. But then if you were to talk to, depending on what level Facebook rep or person at Facebook, they're like, no, 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 don't even think about that. Like it's the AI is going after the person. They know the person's on Facebook. They know they're on on Instagram. The order of priority for Mm -hmm. the algorithm is first and foremost, spend all the money given to the account. (laughs) That's number one. That's true. Number two is follow the person that we believe is is the most likely to get the desired outcome that the Mm -hmm. client is asking for. Yep. And step three is placement. Placement, yep. So yeah. it's in that order for sure. And that was the question I had was not the question I had presented to me was like, Hey, which one we're trying to reach this type of buyer. And I'm mm-hmm. like, they're on both. And so the Facebook that I think Instagram had like the day before, like are boomers on Instagram or so I forwarded the article to everyone. Yes. I think it was that it was the age. I'm like, Oh, this is perfect. Yeah. Like copy paste. Like this person needs to see this. It's like, well, they're on, they're on both. They're everywhere. Like they're, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't matter. But, it's, do they have? I think they had data on the conversion rates on Instagram versus Facebook. Kind of. Well, the click the click through rate. I think this is an interesting discussion just about oh, metrics and how rate. they're used. Okay, not conversion rate. Like you've rate. probably heard someone out there talking about text messages having amazing open rates, <laughs> like ninety five plus percent open rates. Well, yeah, dang it, because you got to open it in order to delete it. Like to get rid yeah. of that little red dot, you've got to open yeah. it. And I think it bothers people to have unread text messages versus unread emails that that's a one. Like For sure. I yeah. can't stand. I'm like, oh, I yeah. missed something. That's important. Yep. Me so this too. is a, and so they've done that to try to make it like, oh, I better do text marketing because look at all this engagement that I get. And, mm. and people who have promoted Instagram have done the same thing. Remember when stories first came out and, and the big oh, yeah. headline to marketers was, Oh my gosh, this click through rate is 12%. And it was like this, haha, I can do swipe up stories and you can't. And look at my click through rate, it's amazing. 
And that's because, you know, 25 people saw it when it first came out and was behind that gate. So <laughs> congratulations, you got 2.5 clicks or swipe ups on that, but fewer people are looking at it. So the same thing here applies. They're saying that Instagram ads do have a higher click-through rate, but it's because, again, when we think about how the algorithm is thinking, placement is third. So if it can find the right user and it thinks Instagram is the right placement, it does make complete sense that it, it's choosing Instagram less often. But when it does, it, it has a higher likelihood of getting a click-through rate. But that's only because the, the frequency and reach of the ads is so much smaller. The number of impressions is reduced because of ad spend. You can't get as many impressions on Instagram because all of the cool marketers think that's the only place they should be because they don't want those old baby boomer Facebook Whistle. types anymore. <laughs> Man, put the bunny. <laughs> everyone yep. is. Yeah, that's. Yep. So in the end, it says both Instagram and Facebook are great platforms to advertise on. And they are. They're just different. You know, Instagram is, again, about communicating a brand, people are still absorbing your content on Instagram. Yeah. You're just not as likely to act on it. It is uh, one of the ways we used to talk about this was leaning forward and leaning backwards. When you're on Instagram, you're leaning back and you're just absorbing the amazing picture after picture and story content. Yep. Or as you said, Lindsay just kind of puts it on while she's she does. It's like a show. Like what's dinner. going on right. over there? Yeah. Her stories, it's a, it's yeah. TV on in the corner, kind of mm-hmm. maybe paying attention, maybe not. Whereas Facebook, apparently, because of the way it's been designed from the beginning, is more of a lean-in, more take-action kind of place. Yeah. For sure. And All I'd right. say if you're, if you're going to dedicate money towards Instagram, you definitely have to think about your, your creatives. If you're used yeah, to only doing better Facebook, stand, yeah. Right, yeah. it better be Instagram-worthy is my, my mm-hmm. phrase. Like, and I, I'd, I'd feel like most builders don't take photos that are Instagram-worthy. Like they could. Yeah. They could. Yeah, mm-hmm. most standard photographers are are doing great photos for Facebook ads, but they're not great for Instagram. Yep. Hey, let's talk about further conspiracy theories. Oh, let's do it. Oh, I like we that. Talk, I don't think we talked about this anywhere else yet. Um, I don't think so. You might have might have seen that Facebook is offering small business ad grants, for lack of a better word, where they're going to uh-huh. let you mm-hmm. have free ads. Hundred million or three hundred million? Some uh, t- uh, t- total some value of a hundred million dollars. Yeah, they're not giving coupons, as far as my understanding. They're not giving you credits to like take off of whatever you're spending to make your life easier. They're credits to use in the future to continue advertising. And what's interesting is across the board, I I I don't believe any of the builders we work with have seen anything less than a twenty percent increase in impressions for the same amount of money on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Those ads yeah. are on sale right now, basically. And I think there's a couple of reasons that they're doing what they're doing. One is they don't want companies to come off for any period of time and get unaddicted to the, you know, the crack cocaine because it's so efficient and effective for the last several years of social media advertising. I don't think they want even that risk of someone kind of forgetting about the power that it has. But I think the other reason is they're worried that consumers are going to see the same ad too often. Yeah. So they're already, they already limit how many ads are shown. They call it ad load. How many ads are shown per each piece of organic content that, that you see to make sure the consumer has a good experience. But even if that ad load stays the same, if it's the same four, you know, four times in a row, you see the same ad, just like when you're watching anything on a streaming device. You know, like if you're watching uh, something on Hulu or some service that still has ads on it and you're like, gosh, darn it, did, did, did anyone except for this one local car company 
take ads out because I'm seeing the same one again so and, again yes. and again. And you can't skip them. Nope. So it's extra frustrating. Right. So I think they're worried about that as well. But Facebook and Instagram is on sale. So again, part of what I'm saying when you could look at it two ways and, and there's no necessarily wrong answer depending on what your company needs you to do. You're getting 20% more impressions for the same amount of money, sometimes as high as 35, 38%. Or you could cut back and get the same results in terms of impressions uh, for less money and, and shift that dollars, those dollars into content creation or helping with vir- transitioning to virtual selling. I agree in the conspiracy because if, if our results go down, because we're getting more impressions, but click-through yeah. rate is going down. Our cost per click should, in theory, go up. And then we're like, oh, man, this is not good. Like, we can't afford this. Like, what's going on? We'll drop budget anyways. And so they're trying to, they're just on that insurance. Well, even just, I mean, just think about the realities of, no, no, well, I shouldn't say that. I and, saw a Southwest ad for, for tickets still through June, which I found interesting. But other that, than that, I haven't seen any travel-related advertising even though I've been to websites looking at information mm-hmm. for our upcoming trip back to Guatemala, I'm not being retargeted. I'm not seeing ads for travel stuff except for that one. And now with so many restaurants being closed, a lot of them are doing the drive through or, or to go. Yep. But one of the largest restaurant companies in the country is based here in Columbus, Cameron Mitchell, who some of you have been to those restaurants. They just basically let everybody in the corporate office go home and said, we're done. We can't afford to stay open. So Wow. There's no more ads being run for a lot of restaurants. And just think about small businesses across the board. If they're not mm-hmm. able to do takeout or to go, yeah. you know, Macy's is now shut down. All Apple is shut down. Are any of these people going to be advertising heavily right now? No. No. And this is week at there's this little site I'm tracking. I sent it to Becca earlier. The yeah. uh, corona, oh, cool. coronavirus. I think I put it in the group. Like when this first started, I'm like, hey, here's a site that gives the data without any headlines. It's interesting to watch versus the headlines, you know, has their, they put their bias on it. And I'm like, this is just week, whatever week it is. And we're at X number. And there's all these things happening economically. Like there's a restaurant that we would go to and like they laid off 41 people yesterday. I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is just the beginning. This sounds very doom and gloom. So I I hate to even be putting it out there on the podcast, whatnot. But I'm like, this is week. I know it's not week one, but week. I feel like last Thursday was when like, oh, this feels weird. Like this is getting serious out there, even though like Seattle, Washington, they were all like already really deep in it. But that's when like Disney World closed, Disneyland closed, Busch Gardens, like all the the big changes. And then the cruise lines were canceled. I'm like, oh, gosh, Um, where's my phone? Okay, good. So so I feel like every time we say something like that, we have to counter it with the other reality that's happening. The the positive on the search stuff, we're back to 2019 levels. Well, and again, we have builders in, in the Pacific Northwest whose their website traffic is still as good as it's ever been. Uh, but I got a text message this morning from a builder in California who held a virtual preview event last night, completely virtual, using mm-hmm. uh, online scheduling tools. First, they said, happy birthday. Instead of a real gift, all I got you was this GIF. <laughs> but then after that, it said, great virtual preview night last night for the grand opening. Completely virtual, worked very well. 20 appointments scheduled. Wow, so, that's fantastic. It, it is fantastic. And, and all this stuff is going to happen and roll out differently. So, so again, mm. everything is, is all about you and what you need to do. But there is still positives out there. That doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't be testing and skating to where the puck is going. I'm just going to keep saying that over yeah. and over again. We know that a week from now, the headlines will not be better. Even if the stock market goes back up, even if we find 
some things that, that help people from health reasons. There's still going to be a lot of people out of work. There's still going to be more news of health numbers. And so that's going to cause the consumer to get more skittish. And we certainly want to continue, again, we want to continue to serve everyone who's looking. Don't, don't close. There's no reason to close for business entirely, but you have to adapt. And now it's an opportunity to take those lessons of adaptation to create the new normal, like we said at the beginning. This, a lot of this is not going away once the health issues go away. Their, consumers are going to demand that it stays around and that you continue to do it better and better. Oh, for sure. And this, mm-hmm. this, I think it's important to think about like this is a, this whole thing is like a temporary. Yeah. Like it's not By like. By definition at some point. Like it this will is end, going right? to, yeah. yeah, whether coronavirus sticks around forever, just like the flu and it's just part of like life now. I don't know if it works like that or, or not, but, but it's just <laughs> like, once we turn everything back on restaurants, we like, well, I think we will very, very quickly go back to like, cool. It's like when, I, I don't know if you'll know the feeling, but like hurricane comes through, like we lose power for a week and then like, you're like, oh, this is terrible. And then like, okay, the next day, like everything's back to normal. Like, cool. There, gas is not, there's no more lines getting gas. There's water at the store. There's food. Like, Hey, that was weird. Like we're back to normal that quickly. We had months of, yeah. or whatever it was. And trust me, no one, and this is, you, this will tell you how unsophisticated the Oakley family is. My wife and I were talking about last night and you're like, we just can't wait till we can take our four kids and go to Olive Garden and eat those cheap breadsticks with all the butter <laughs> on it and let the kids argue over Get the, the screen device that they can play with, with the games on the table. That's hilarious. Right? So, so, so we do want that normal, but again, it's going to be, even if cer- certain things will pop right back, the, the Cameron Mitchell uh, who is the owner of Cameron Mitchell Restaurant Group? He's like, it's not that easy for a restaurant just to start back up. We've got to get all the food back stocked in. We've got to retrain people because some of them might have different jobs at that point. Like, it's going to take time and a hundred thousand yeah. dollars per store to restart the process. And wow. so there will certainly be things that will just turn back wow. on. You know, a barber shop shut down right now. You can't get your hair cut in a bar- in a barber shop in Ohio anymore. But all they got to do is turn the lights back on, fire up the racers, and they're, you know, all, all is back to normal. Yeah. So it'll be different. It, it's not going to be quite like a hurricane, I don't think, unfortunately, because it's kind of like the whole Western civilization is going through the same form of hurricane at the same Pause. time, which is, yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this. I think we're still calling these episodes for the most up to date information and resources on how the current economic situation is impacting new home marketers. Visit MarketProof Marketing Facebook group or LinkedIn group, or of course, doyouconvert.com. As always, feel free to call in with your questions on this episode or any other at 404-369-2595. Or in this time period of craziness, feel free to shoot me a text message. Just make sure you tell me who you are and what building (laughs) you work with at 412-779-8758. All right, that'll do it. Have a good rest of your week and we'll see you next time. See ya. See ya.